Hello, CCISD. Thank you for joining us for a special edition of Car Rider Line with our very own Dr. Karen Engel, Superintendent of Schools. Welcome. I could say, actually, we can still, well, I guess we technically cannot say Happy New Year anymore. However, this is our opportunity to talk to you about what your plans are for the future of Clear Creek ISD. Um, as many of you know, Dr. Engel came out of retirement to serve as our superintendent, and we could not be more thrilled. She has hit the ground running for sure. We have several topics to talk through this afternoon. So if you work from home or if you're at home or you're at work and you have a question for Dr. Engel, go ahead and put it in the comment section. And if we have enough time at the end, we will answer them. If not, we'll be sure to follow through and get those, info, get those answers out to the community. First, let's talk about Vision 2030 and a profile of a CCISD learner. How did this all come to be? Wow, thank you for asking. We are so excited. Vision 2030 um, really evolved in us thinking about where are we going in our future? We've kind of had some instability with COVID and some things, and we are now looking to the future. Our current fifth graders are graduates in 2030. Did you hear that, parents? You probably uh, didn't know that, but 2030 is when they're graduating. Yes, yeah, so we took that piece and looking at those fifth graders, what proficiencies do they need to be successful? successful when they graduate and probably prepared for jobs that have not been created yet. So we need to really be looking at what are those proficiencies. And so we embarked back in November on um, a journey to try and define that. And so as we went through and we worked with um, with board members, we've had a lot mm -hmm. of activity throughout the, um, the past few months, but we developed what we called a profile of a learner. What proficiencies do these students need? And that's a CCISD learner, which is K through 12, as well as our staff. We're all learners in CCISD. And those proficiencies then involve critical thinking, communication. Um, as we looked at the proficiencies, you won't find as much content as you will character traits that allow you to be successful in any career and at any job. So if we can put up the graphic that shows what our profile of a CCISD learner is, and I will, I will um, share out those characteristics and you talk to me a little bit about what that means to you as Absolutely. a superintendent. So one, um, so it's four quadrants mm -hmm. um, and it is K through 12. And so the first category, and there are no particular order of importance. It's really the well-rounded creators and critical thinkers. Yes. And we know that students today, um, critical thinking and creating knowledge is absolutely um, necessary in any profession, in any job. So that kind of kind of jumped out at us first with every content area and everything that we do, we're trying to create critical thinkers. And one of the things, uh, well, one of many things that we heard from students, which was so fascinating that we've talked to a lot of students in fifth grade and various uh, grade levels of the desire to have physical space and designated time that's dedicated for creative and courageous thought and action. What would that look like? 
that could look, um, we have a lot of possibilities. We're excited. But, you know, I often think about um, taking down barriers, you know, whether that is walls, whether that is furniture, allowing spaces for students to think and, and investigate. I was at an elementary school, Hall Elementary School yesterday, and they have a, the, um, it's an E-STEM and they have science. Um, each, each grade level comes in and they, they're working on science investigative projects, if you will, and they're week-long activities. They're collaborating, they're working together and they're problem solving. They're creating, um, they're trying to, they were trying to create a little windmill. And so how can they, they had a lot of what I would call, um, activities that weren't successful and then they go back and they work together to be successful so space to to try and space to experiment and space to learn and so and that was a a big room tables um, supplies everything was available for them so we need to make our um, facilities accessible for learning absolutely and then the next one is collaborators and contributors Students acquire the skills to be leaders and contributors contributors of productive teams. And this goes back to the, co- the group work and problem solving. It, it really does. And, and I'm just to tap into that yesterday, I mean, they were all working together. They worked actually in little teams. So they had two together. So they were problem solving. But throughout our schools, as you go into classrooms, that collaboration we don't work in silos. We don't work alone and we collaborate and we, um, so much of our work now involves each other and involves that collaboration and that working together. And so, um, we know that we need space for that too, going back to that, um, tables like this so that we can sit down and work together and collaborate. But it was, um, pretty exciting to see the, the deep thinking that they had as they supported each other. Right. Communicators and connectors. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things that we're seeing. Um, some of our our high school students really felt like maybe they and we, I did ask, you know, high school students, what do you see and what areas and, and these um, in this profile would you like some more support in? And communication um, was one of them, you know, being able to articulate, whether it's in writing, whether it's, you know, verbally, um, you know, your, your message, the meaning that even though we, we may have solved a problem, how do we share that? How do we express it? How do we communicate? And so those are certainly skills that the, it was interesting. Some high school students that we um, really tapped into felt like that was an area that they need support in. And compassionate and confident. Mm-hmm. And going back, Compassion goes back to those core values and we continue to circle back around understanding others, understanding the impact of our work on other people. I think that compassion piece, as well as having confidence in what they're doing and the confidence to to um, work together to everybody's voice matters. And I think sometimes having the confidence to share that voice, to be, um, and, and to work together to, to solve those, but, but understanding to, I guess it goes back to impact, our impact in a positive way and also understanding others. So we, um, 
We did have some students that felt like in some of the schools, we actually have a lot of students, they felt pretty um, prepared in confidence and some not as much. So, you know, as we work through, but compassion across the board. Absolutely. And we had a day at NASA. So we took a team offsite Mm -hmm. because it is important to when you're dreaming big to sort of remove yourself from the day that you're in. And um, I think you would agree that was a fantastic day of dreaming big for the students of Clear Creek ISD. Tell me a little bit about what participants experienced that day. It certainly was. We had parents, teachers, administrators, um, business leaders, and we all gathered in a space, um, a building, a facility called 1958, that really the whole purpose of the facility and the design was to think big, have collaborative spaces to be able to communicate, to be able to solve problems. And not only did we work together as whole group and teams, we heard from students. We heard a, a student panel that shared some of these needs. We're always listening to our students because that is our, that's a voice that we're, um, that we're working towards. But then we had an opportunity to do a couple of, um, I'd call field trips, but oh my goodness, we had a chance to, to go to building nine and look at the Artemis project and all of the things involved. Talk about collaboration, problem solving and working together. Um, and we also had a chance to visit the um, kind of a, a lunar moon um, preparation facility. And they were telling us that the goal is in June, July, this summer, to have participants simulate a moon experience for a solid year. What it looked like to live on the moon. And the facilities were actually created um, using a 3D printer. So it was the thinking and the problem solving, how do you live on Mars? They're solving that problem. It was fascinating to see. Um, And that was the mindset that we need. Think big. You would think there are a lot of limits on Mars, such as um, it's a very extreme environment, and yet they are um, working to solve that. So we we were thinking big, too, for our students in Clear Creek Island. It's definitely an exciting time in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So we were um, at a parent, we, uh, Dr. Engel goes once a month, sometimes more than once a month to a campus just to visit with parents and just have coffee and have conversations. And we were at Brookwood um, just yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was just yesterday and talking with parents and you were sharing your vision 2030 with them. And um, one parent had asked you about what constraints would be in place that would prevent us from realizing Vision 2030? And you had a great example about constraints. Well, you and know, how to it, work through them. Yes, it, it triggered, and um, and I did share that our our um, cabinet team are, we're working through. A, we're doing a book study called Beautiful Constraints, and as we go through the entire Vision 2030, that's been a um, a theme for us is there are constraints. You know, there is not unlimited resources and unlimited um, specifically resources, but what are the constraints around that and how can we make something beautiful out of the constraints that we have and, and you know, work through those constraints a little bit. Um, when I was principal at Clear Lake High School, um, we were underwent a complete rebuild of the facility while we were on the campus as students. We had 2,500 students 
parents and we were rebuilding the school while we were going to school. <laughs> and um, one of the constraints, they demolished part of, they, they would demolish part of the building and build anew and we had temporary housing in the midst of it and they demolished the cafeteria. And so um, unfortunately that obviously is where we eat. And so the, the alternative of that was walking across the street to a, an old ninth grade building and eating and it wasn't a very um, appealing or a really practical option. And so we looked around and tried to see what could we do under the constraints of no cafeteria and came up with the um, idea of an hour lunch. All students eat during an hour anywhere. Um, we have opened up the hallways, opened up classrooms, opened up everything for students to eat. And so having that full hour, um, we could put every, we could, all the students could eat in the facility, but then also we worked through with those constraints. We started establishing tutorials. So we had tutorials for 30 minutes. Um, students could select, they could go to their tutorials, go to eat lunch or vice versa. We had, um, a lot of options. We had clubs during that hour. Um, we had, you could go visit your counselor. You could go visit the registrar during the hour. So take care of school business, go to tutoring and eat. And we still have, even though Clear Lake High School has a beautiful commons today, but we still have the hour lunch. And I think if you ask most students, they, I think if you ask all students, they want to maintain that hour. It gives them also a break time. So the constraint of no cafeteria turned into a beautiful constraint of an hour lunch. Right. You wouldn't naturally have gone to an hour lunch unless no. you were faced with that challenge. Correct. And so as we move forward, when we talk about those challenges to not stop us in our tracks, but to really think beyond that. And that's what you've done. And today we have um, our lunch at three of our mm -hmm. five high schools yes. and probably the other two will come on board eventually. Um, but I, I do agree. The students do love that. Mm -hmm. And the teachers do too. They do. I think at the very beginning it was it seemed daunting, the idea of 2,500 students walking freely around a campus for over an hour. But you got, you made it work. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And and actually, it gave the students the time. You worried a lot of times about who am I going to eat lunch with? Well, they're there. You know, you, you, your friends are all at the same lunch. And it gives them an opportunity to study together, not just to go to tutorials, but we saw so many kids gathering together from, say, an Algebra 2 class, working problems together, going back to collaboration and, um, you know, learning from each other. So a lot of benefits mm -hmm. from that. Well, there are certainly realities surrounding school funding that we are seeking help from our lawmakers. The legislature is in session and um, we have been, we are very fortunate to have local, our state representatives be so supportive of public education. And in December, you and other superintendents and board members had the opportunity to share our priorities um, with the legislators. And so how is that going right now? We feel like we have some extremely um, education supportive lawmakers. Um, we did meet with them and we have some legislative priorities. 
I'd say school funding as we looked at um, our basic allotment, the amount of money that we have per student, and that's on, on the basis of um, attendance and some enrollment. And we get so much money for each student. It hasn't increased since 2019. Mm -hmm. And we all know what inflation and the increasing prices of so many things since 2019. So we are certainly asking for that. We're hearing a lot of support that there will be increased funding to help us offset um, some of these inflationary costs. Also, safety. Um, you know, we've spent over, you know, about $35 million since 2015, even going back. But that 2017 bond gave us a lot of funds for safety upgrades. And we've spent a lot of money, thanks to the taxpayers. And I'd say a little bit, um, there was a lot of um, forward thinking on that, because now the legislate, legislators are requiring a lot of these safety measures that we already have in place. But now looking to how can we continue to fund that? And not only the hardening facilities, but also we have additional um, SLO, you know, our officers on campus. And we have additional student support counselors to help students through issues that might um you know, lead to more severe behavior. So we are asking for funding, both for the for the safety encompassing many areas that we've used our funds for. I know you've expressed your appreciation to staff, students, and families for their patience during the severe weather last week here in our area. Thankfully, um, we um, were not deeply affected by the tornadoes that struck Pasadena and Deer Park. But let's talk a little bit about um, what happened and the steps we're taking moving forward um, to make sure that parents are informed of severe weather in advance and the timing of this particular storm. And I know you shared it with families, but it's uh -huh. worth repeating yeah, on that sure. timeline of events. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, and beginning at the, and I did note uh, at seven o'clock, we sent an email safe and secure to our principals. Just, you know, we know this could be a, a eventful weather day and shared the national um, weather report to them and just reminded them to be weather aware. Um, then another reminder from safe and secure for the principals to, to note our shelter in place procedures, um, which are involved with the hurricane. Um, and later on in the morning decided, let's go ahead and call those bus drivers and ensure that we have bus drivers available for transportation if we need to alter that schedule. Um, at noon, Region 4 does an excellent job of bringing superintendents together. And we had a superintendent's call at noon with... Um, greater Houston area, most of the superintendents, well, I think and there was nobody at that point that was looking at early release, but they were all, all talking about potentially um, not having after-school activities. I think the weather system was scheduled to come in a little later than even at that point at, um, at noon. And then at one o'clock, our cabinet team came together with our captain of our, you know, SLO captain, safe and secure. We all came, um, transportation director and all sat around and had a conference call with the National Weather Service. And they gave us some pretty good information that the severe weather might hit us between three and four. So at that point, we decided we had the bus drivers. Let's go ahead and release high school just a little bit early at 2.15, get those high school students home by the potential beginning of that, you know, potentially severe weather at three and then kind of hold for elementary and send a communications Thank you to families to say, hey, we may have a, a later dismissal for some students. We were anticipating elementary and intermediate. Um, 
However, the weather um, became, the weather event came in, the actually tornado warning came in to us earlier than anticipated, more like 2.15. Mm -hmm. And so campuses had to respond um, and I will say the one response I'm very pleased with is we now have an automated system that we can go into shelter in place at the campus level or the district can call that. We use both. We had between 15 and 20 schools that did go into shelter in place. Um, some in our district did not, but we were able to manually do that at the campus. And also we did some on the district level. We, and we saw the weather prior to the campus and sometimes the campus saw it. It was immediate. The storm was very quick, um, but we did the shelter in place. And, and so we, every child was safe. Every parent was safe. Every student was safe. And we ended up um, getting elementary and intermediates almost released about on time. But it was certainly, um, there was a lot to consider. It was a very fast event. Um, I'd say moving forward, um, we did have some some lessons learned for us. And as, as we're looking to, to the future, we did all, we've already improved some communication methods with especially with transportation um, we felt like there was some com communication um, challenges safe and secure and, and making sure that that was smooth so we we did that um, we also looking at transportation that worked well to get those bus drivers in I think in the future we're just going to go ahead and call that early kind of have a timeline by this point call transportation in early this point let parents know um, we're looking at early release or if, if we are you know just mm -hmm. kind of continue that communication communication. We did get, um, I would say, a lot of positives on the communication, you know, trying to get the information out. But we continue to work mm -hmm. to, to make that strong and to make that um, as, as strong as we can. The other place that we want to communicate to parents, the safest place during a weather event is in the school building. We have protocols. We're prepared. We're ready for it. So not only assuring parents, just hold, let us keep your students safe until the weather event is over, but also making sure that we invite parents outside, parents or students, if you're caught in that event, you come into the school. We are a strong shelter for any weather event. That was definitely a lesson learned for me as well as we were talking to parents at Bay Elementary, even at Brookwood yesterday, about um, because tornado warnings, that's not a usual weather pattern for us in our, and specifically in our area. Right. And so we do um, need to improve our education to families about what to do in a situation like that. And I will incorporate that in the future in our pre-communications with families to avoid coming to the school for that car rider line. Because we do know that this was, we had elementary families lining up in outside mm -hmm. of the school. And that's not necessarily the safest place for them to be, but know that there's children are safe inside the school. So we're working on that. We are. And I do want to say one thing to commend our our campuses, because some parents rightfully says we were all watching the weather, decided, OK, I'm going to go ahead and, and take my child out mm -hmm. early. We did some early um, withdrawals and, and understandable 
but um, the campuses did an amazing job of getting those children, making sure that the children are going home with the right, you know, guardian or parent, and making sure that the children were safe. But some of our schools checked out a number of students, and I want to thank the parents for being patient as they went through that process. But that is a process we also practice, and so we ensure that if we do need to release, that we can do that in a safe manner. And they did um, an outstanding job. So we were very pleased with that release practice. They did. I want to move on to something that we haven't really shared widely yet um, about a change in our child nutrition practices at the elementary and intermediate level when a student, uh, to no, no fault of their of their own, their lunch balance has fallen to a zero. And um, nationwide, the practice is that the child is provided a cheese sandwich and milk. That's sort of the federal guidelines on that. But we have uh, made some changes under your leadership. And so can you share out what the changes are? Yes. And I do want to thank um, Fred Walker and Child Nutrition <laughs> for, um, you know, working through this and providing a solution. And we've heard from our elementary, specifically parents and intermediate too, that the cheese sandwich is just not what their child wants. And so they have worked and the students will now receive a deli meat sandwich, a vegetable a fruit and a milk. So any child whose who's, um, account balance goes below, and like you said, it's not their fault. I mean, parents try to keep up. And it's it not necessarily their parents' to, fault either. No. Can, there's many, many times where you lose track of what that balance you is. Do. Yes. You do. And so this isn't a, a solution for every day, obviously, but mm -hmm. it is for those times. So then the, the child will get um, more of a, what we'd call a standard meal, you know, and um and they'll have that. And the other thing, too, that they're implementing that I think will help so that the, there's pizzas not included here. And we know the children like pizzas, so that, that does that's not included in, in this, but they will have a good meal. And then also, in order to ensure that the parent's been informed, they will receive an email through Skyward that says your child received um, this particular meal today because their account was, you know, at zero balance. So they do. I think that our um, our school cafe gives notifications of low balances, but you'll also get a sky alert that this meal was provided. I don't that has that's new. So we're trying to notify parents to more communication to let you know that your child needs um, money in the account. Mm -hmm. So um, there are no questions from our viewers at this moment. So let's go ahead and wrap it up about our musicals. We're wrapping up musical season in Clear Creek ISD. Um, have you been to all of them yet? You, um, I know you're still working through the cycle. As of tonight, we will have, um, I have the privilege of going to Oliver tonight. Last, li last night we saw Shrek. Um, and yes, I have seen the other, the other three, but I will tell you the musicals just highlight the talent going back to just working together, courage. <laughs> I think going back, communication, courage, um, collaboration, some of these skills that we talk about, mm -hmm. oh, problem solving, yes, you know, mm -hmm. and but just the amazing talent that we're seeing from our students. And I highly encourage you, there's still some musicals going on this weekend, and highly encourage you to take time to go out and just 
it, it'll it warms your heart. Um, they're 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 great stories, but also more than that, they're just um, kind of an exhibition of talent and. It just makes you proud and, and really surprised. I mean, some of the productions are are really Broadway caliber, and I do want to share about Clear Books, if if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, Ladyship is is it is um, no longer. I mean, it's it's closed. But the performance was the first performance of this musical on a high school stage, and the producers and writers of this of the script and the score were there. And it was two sisters and the good sisters, and they were at the first opening night performance. I happened to be there that night and had a chance to talk with them. And they told us that the sets and the performance was, it rivaled anything on, on Broadway. They were so impressed with what the students did at Brooke. And I will tell you, every single high school has that caliber of, of presentation and performance. So we are just so proud of our fine arts as well as all of our all of our schools and all of our different um, activities and extracurricular activities for students. And there'll be more to come. So I think we'll go ahead and leave on that high note, no pun intended, but <laughs> Dr. Engel, thank you so much for joining us today. And we'll have you back um, probably in the next month or so to get an update. Great. Until then, thank you very much. And uh, be sure to visit us at www.ccisd.net. Just keep up to date on what's happening in Clear Creek ISD. Thank you. Thank you.